Welcome to Local Matter Sports. This is your host, Sam Brooks, and got J.B. Rittenberry here in the studio again with me. We did a part one um, last week and brought J.B. back for part two. We got a little bit of my discussion I wanted to talk to him about out of the way, but uh, we're going to pick right up where we left off. But welcome back to the show, J.B. Okay, thank you, Sam. We were talking about the Golden Eagle and, uh, you know, the first years that you, you and Fly got together, and I've learned a lot and talking to you i thought i knew a lot about you but i learned a whole lot to, in these interviews but uh you know you and fly had a unique relationship and i wouldn't say that your uh, your games are really very very similar um the way you approach the game is, is a lot different than the way fly approaches the game from my experience playing with you both of you guys but something just worked i mean you're both really good <clears throat> players and you're you're friends and you worked out there together for a little while, and and it, and it just clicked. You won the first tournament, you won the second year, and a, a total of six mm-hmm. um, along the way, which uh, I don't think that's been beaten, and, and that would be hard for a couple to stay together uh, that long and then to, to beat that too. So, uh, Well, I think I was looking back at some of the, the records there, and I think Gary Maxwell has a total of six or maybe more. I don't uh, – this was through 19 – this was through 2000, I think. Okay. And – or 2010, maybe. Was that and with the same partner? No. Yeah. he Now, he had different partners. and uh, But me and Fly have stayed together the whole time. So we yeah. played – matter of fact, me and Fly played in 20 straight Golden Eagles. Then after that, we just, I don't know, it's, we kind of lost interest yeah. and and our games kind of deteriorated a little bit. And, you know, you got to make room for the younger generation growing up. I mean, so. you know, that's a part of it. It's got to happen. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And, and, but I mean, gosh, winning six is great. Gary is a great golfer. He's still he is. a really good golfer. He is. And just being a part of a winning team in six is amazing. But, what stands out to me is you and Fly were together for all of those, you know, and it's tough in a tournament like that. It, if you don't, if you both don't live in town and, you know, you don't know each other, you don't hang out or you don't play golf together, it's tough to keep a twosome together for a long period of time. Yeah, correct. correct. And I, I played with several different people uh, along the way, my son being one of them, uh, DD10 I played with a lot, which I enjoyed, you know, all of them. But, you know, it, it's hard to to commit yourself for so many years in a row to play in that event because you you might a family might go on vacation something might happen along true, the way true. so for you and fly to be together and win six of those to me is pretty incredible and i i, I realize gary has probably won six or more but uh, probably you know, with the same partner that that to me seems you know pretty hard to do well it's, it just seemed like me and fly just kind of uh got it together we ham and egged it fly could hit the ball so long and he, and he good with his long irons. And then here I come with the wedge and the putter. So, you know, his his long game, my short game, Yeah, that's that that's where it was. And you really complimented each other. I, I, I've watched several. Uh, you probably don't know how, you know how much I was riding around in that cart as a youngster watching you guys. And, um, <laughs> you know, it come down to some pretty intense situation. It wasn't like um, – I mean, you had some tournaments where you won by a couple strokes, and and you had some tournaments where it was come down to the wire, and you you came through on those, and then you had some tournaments that you didn't win, but you were right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, all in total, I mean, it, it's a it, it's been a pretty 
beneficial for you guys, you know, and, and very good to you guys and what you've done and been some you're tough competition out there along the way. Well, you know, it was a statewide event, so it brought in some of the state best players, you know, and so, uh, but uh, like I say, you know, that tournament was known all over the state, so when the state best players wanted to come in and <laughs> put their game on the line, you know, that's... Uh, yeah, and usually you had Bobby's kids who, you know, just graduated and some really good players at, at Tennessee Tech when... You know, during Bobby's tenure, that would come back and play too. Correct. So yes. So they'd go out yes. and get a job, and you know, continue their sure. golf as you can, and and then they'd come back and play. So, you know, Adam Boyd comes to mind. You know, he played there a couple of years. I think he might have won it one year. Um, but you know, yeah, it's he, I think he did. Really yeah. good competition year in and year out. Um, in that thing, and it amazes me. It, and it, you know, in the last couple of years, they're starting to gain back that swagger a little bit and the numbers have gone back up i think for a little while it, it, it had a dip I, i'm not sure what why uh and it just what didn't seem to be as popular as, mm-hmm. as it has but i think they've really tried to reclaim that again and yeah start. i think uh last uh, i think uh starting this year or like maybe last last year the entries were beginning to to arise a little bit so yeah and they, it, it went back to three days, I think, for a, a short period of time, two years. And, of course, we're talking about going through COVID and, you know, all mm-hmm. the crazy things that happened. Correct. But for uh, a couple of years, it was just a two-day tournament. And then they, you know, they do a good job at surveying the players and the entries every year. And uh, apparently the, the people that play in it wanted it to be a three-day tournament again, but now only at two golf courses. And they're able to, to get those in. It's at the Country Club and, and the uh, White Plains Golf Course now. And the format has changed a little bit. But like you said, they're starting to gain those numbers back. Very, very competitive event as time has gone on uh, here in Cookville. But So you go, you know, we talked about Ralph Donuts and, and uh, you opening up a golf shop. Um, you know, what what is what has golf taught you? You know, golf is a character sport. I mean, you, you if you ever – get on the wrong side of it and you don't do things the right way or you cheat a little bit, you're scorned forever. You know, you can't, yes, you, you, yes, can't you, you can't do that in golf. It's a, it's a gentleman's game. And, and, uh, I've, I've known some people, seen some people on the other side of it. And, you know, it, once you get that name for yourself out there, it's hard to break. And it, that's what I love about golf. You, you call a penalty on yourself, you know, when something don't go right and you, you do wrong, you you look at nobody's around you have that situation where you can say well do i you know and and the golfers you know with good character will will do that and you say that every day to to a certain point you 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 know you are your rule maker yourself and then if you if you're not sure about the rules you call in a rules official and he'll they will help you out so but if you if you run into a problem and you're not sure, then you ask your playing partners mm-hmm. what the deal is, and if y'all can't come to the right conclusion, then that's when you you bring in a rules official. So you know it's a it's a, you try to be make it an honor game, right. you know, and you won't don't don't want to do anything wrong. And like you say, <laughs> down the road you can make a name for yourself, and people don't want to associate with you. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's you know that's the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the game of golf, and that's what I love about it is, you know, the integrity um, that exists within the game, and, it, and not just here but everywhere. You know, and that that's why it's such a great game because it is 
you know, there's not a referee out there with you that's Correct. walking like you have in basketball and other, even in tennis, you know, in other team sports, you're, you're there by yourself and you know what the difference is between right and wrong, that little white line right there. You know, if your ball's a little bit more over it on one side than it is another, it, it's a, it's a couple strokes and that can, that can ruin your round. Yes, and, and, but can. you, you have to honor that and, and you have to, you know, that's what I love about the game is, is, uh, the character that it builds in, in people who play it and play it right, and you can definitely see that. Well, pretty much, when, when we start a tournament, you are given a rule sheet normally, and if something arises out on the course that is not in the rules, that's when it you need to have a rules official, to, you know, to make everything right. And, yeah, and they're available. It's usually it's usually the local pro or a committee yes, or a committee. Yes, yes, they have uh, they have rules committees. Normally, uh, I think uh, during the Golden Eagle, uh, I sit on uh, uh, quite a few rules committees with Bobby Nichols mm-hmm. and uh, the maybe Matt Manzaro or the pro at the club at the uh, at the uh, uh, White Plains, and uh, so you know we. Put our expertise to the to the uh, grind and came up with a decision and uh, went with the rules book and you know dug it out and uh, so that's the great thing about it. you have that rules book and it's governed yes. it's governed by the USGA and the game of golf and you some of those have been changed over time for common sense reasons but uh, a lot of them hadn't changed in a long long time no <laughs> I think. About the only thing I can remember right now is uh, probably in 19, I'm a thinking in 62, they might have changed the golf ball. Uh, when you went to the, to the Open, the British Open, you played with a smaller golf ball. Mm-hmm. They played with a smaller golf ball. Then, of course, you came back to the States. Then you went to the regular-sized golf ball again. But... Now I think the USGA and the RNA have combined and made the one the one golf ball size. Yeah, that was, that was the biggest change in that that combination, the cor- uh, collaboration that exists now mm-hmm. between those two groups because it did not it wasn't always that way. <coughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, same size golf ball now, but you, you man, you had a unique position to to be able to see uh, the changes in the ball and the changes in the clubs. You know, had have existed from man those old nice persimmon woods. You know, mm-hmm, that used to correct. exist, and now yes. to the metal woods and all of that. Uh, wh- what's your take on the question of equipment now that exists? Well, the manufacturers they pretty much made the game, made the equipment a whole lot better for beginning golfers, right? With they ha- they have the cavity back clubs and uh, a few other changes long about but but golf is you don't have to practice as hard now as you did when you first took the game up with the older style equipment but today's equipment is so much better nowadays uh, a beginning golfer can become a pretty good golfer quickly yeah so. So it, it it it's it's brought down it's helped bring down the scores. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And I want to continue <clears throat> that conversation. There's a lot to talk about there, but uh, we're gonna go to a quick break. We've got JB Rittenberry sitting with us today in the studio, and we're talking a, a little bit about his golf past and 
Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. What's so important about shopping with locally owned businesses? When you shop local, your hard-earned dollars stay here in the community, helping to benefit your friends and neighbors, local schools, roads, and all aspects of community life. But what happens to my money if I spend it online or at a national chain store? In most cases, the profits go far away, out of state, corporate headquarters, or even overseas. It doesn't take any extra effort to shop local. Office Mart on South Jefferson and Cookville is your locally owned office furniture and supply store. For over 35 years, they've been proud to serve businesses in the Upper Cumberland with quality and value. You get real customer service, too. And unlike shopping online, you can actually see and try out the large inventory of office furniture in their showroom. And when it's delivered, it's not a box on your step. They're glad to install and set up everything. Office Mart. There's no other locally owned office store in the region. South Jefferson Avenue across from Hardee's. Shop local at Office Mart. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. Talking to J.B. Rittenberry, Upper Cumberland golf legend here in this area. And, J.B., we're talking about equipment when we went to the break. And there used to be a few mainstream equipment companies, and it, it was Tidelist, Spalding with the top flight stuff. And then you had Ping come along uh, at, at some point in the game. And you mentioned the cavity back was a huge game changer. Because the blades, you know, and for the folks listening out there that don't know the difference as, as a person who's owned a golf shop, you, you can talk a little bit about the difference in a blade and what you get. The reaction of the blade, if you hit it right, is great, and, and the feel is very nice, but the cavity back is much more forgiving. The ca- yes, the cavity back. If you make an off hit on a cavity back, you can still get away with the shot a little bit. But if you've got a blade in your hand, man, it's it's going to go. There ain't no telling where it's going to go yeah. if you don't hit it correctly. Yeah, and I, you know, I, st- I still remember. I, uh, Dad bought us, a, me and John both, a Chi-Chi Rodriguez uh, junior set. Mm-hmm. And back then, and, and they were blades, and we played with them, you know, probably till we was 12, 13 years old, and then we moved up to another. But back then, all, all there was blades. Mm-hmm. You didn't have anything else. So, you know, I grew up learning how to hit on a blade, um, and, you know, we played a bunch back then. And, you know, got to where I was pretty decent, and then I went to college, didn't play, played football, got away from golf a little bit, played with Dad in the summer a little bit, but that was about it. And then after that, when I got my first job, got back into golf heavily, and by that time, you have, you know, Cobra, Callaway, you know, a lot of a lot of different golf makers were in the business and the game had dramatically changed. The Cobra was the first big head driver that I know of. Um, and, and it, you know, that really that really changed the game is from the tee because they were able to give you a little bit bigger head and they've gotten real big now. <laughs> yes. A little bit bigger head than what I started playing with, those Oprah Simmonwoods, which you know, contact on them was nice. Well, the contact was good, but you still had to hit it in the center. Sweet it was spot. still like a like you got a blade iron in your hand. You know, the the old equipment you had to hit it pretty much dead solid in the center, or you you got bad results. Right. You talk about practice. It made you practice a lot more. Sure did. Because yes, you, to get to get that swing where you wanted it and make that good contact, you know, was harder to achieve. And I think we've lost a little bit there uh, Mm -hmm. because of it. But it has given a lot more people the opportunity to get out on the golf course and be able to play. Yes, it it has made the game a lot easier. People take it up because it has become a little easier. You know, and it's a a good outdoor sport. And, uh, you know, people like it. uh, 
they love the camaraderie with friends, you know, and uh, uh, of course, there's always a little competition on the side. Of course, of course. <laughs> but uh, it's like Ben Hogan said. He said, uh, I, when I retired, I just uh, I play golf with friends, but it's not a friendly game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've heard stories. Uh, you know, Tiger, the Tiger era. You know, he he done so much for the game of golf and brought a lot of young people, um, diverse population of young people into the game and uh my coach at tennessee tech's name was gerald brown he lives up in knoxville i'm have i've had him on the show Ger- coach gerald brown G-Man. i know him very well yeah, great guy yeah but he was his his son his nephew is uh jerome brown and uh keepy brown's son and jerome worked uh for the pga tour and he worked on the senior pga tour side and uh of course he got to stay down there i think he worked for him about five years and he got to stay down there in florida in the summer and got to you know, play at some of the PGA resorts and golf tournaments down there. And he, he ran into Tiger, and he looked – if they stood side by side, he he looked a lot like Tiger. Okay. And he was in there eating lunch one day, and, and Tiger and uh, Buddy came in to play because he lived down, you know, close to one of the courses. Mm-hmm. And um, came in there to play, and it was raining, and uh, he knew uh, Jerome from uh, a PGA course. And so he only had one person playing with him today, so he asked Jerome and his buddy if he wanted to play with him. And so it was a rain delay, and they're sitting there waiting. And so they ate lunch, and Tiger's telling stories, and the other guy with him's telling stories. So they got to sit here and listen and talk to Tiger about some of his stories, which I think would be just incredible to listen to some of those experiences he's had. And then they get the rain stops, and they go hit the range for about 20 minutes or so. And, you know, he's, he's all fun and laughing, and they get that first tee. And Tiger goes down to put his tee in the ground. He kind of turns back, and he says, this is where the fun ends, you know, you know we're gonna be playing now. <laughs> he said he had a feeling it just went over. Yeah. Like oh, <laughs> and Tiger proceeded to shoot about nine under on eighteen holes there. And he said what a what a great experience it was for him. But you know the guy's business. Uh, and when he came into the sport, you, everybody knows the story now. His dad and his tutors and his training and all of that and all it wasn't great um, along the way. As hindsight, you look back and and actually see the story. But you know golf really grew. Um, during that era, and he he did a lot for the game. He did, he did. He was he was great for for junior golf, for everyday golf, just and the PGA Tour. Matter of fact, that you know the TV TV audience really uh, grew when Tiger hit the scene because yeah. he was very exciting to watch. I, I want to throw something your way, JB, and I, I I thought about this when I knew you were coming on. Guys at the top of his game. You know, he goes down to the Masters and he beats everybody by 12 strokes. And then you go into the off season, and this is when um, he decided to go through a bit of a swing change. What goes through a, a, a person's head that is the, the absolute best in the world, bar none? Why would you want to change something like that? Well, I don't know, but maybe in – Tiger Woods' mind somewhere, he hit a few wild shots. We didn't probably didn't think they were wild shots, but he thought he they were wild shots in his mind. And he says, I'm going to change that. I don't want to hit any more shots like that. So, you know, even though him being a great player and he's beat everybody, he still wants to Improve. Improve. I think that's the base of it. I, he wants to conquer the game. Uh, I've read some books, and, and, and I, <clears throat> me, first, when I thought about it, I thought, man, you're beating everybody by 12 strokes in the biggest tournament in the world. Why, why would you not want to keep doing what you're doing? But he, if you if you read any books about him, he continuously wanted to get better no matter what. 
You know, mm-hmm. everybody can always get better. I don't care how good you are. You can still get better. And I think you're right. I think that's what, what his thought process was. How can I get better? You know, I, changing his swing, I don't know if that brought on some of the 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 ailments and uh, surgeries he's had. I don't know if, you know, if that had anything to do with it or not. If he, if he injured himself somewhere along the line by making that swing change, I don't know. But, you know, of course, he's had a lot of medical problems and yeah. surgeries and 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 he's going to be back. Yeah, he's going to be back. Yeah. These guys, today, they got so much torque, you know, in, in their swing and, and they attack it. You know, they attack the ball. You look at a guy like uh, Ben Hogan and it's such a smooth, fluent golf swing, great contact and a ball striker. But it, it's really gone. Some of these kids you see out here now. You know, they're no bigger than a minute and mm-hmm. knock it 350 yards. And, you know, it's just amazing to see how it's changed. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I get impressed quite a bit myself when I see some of these young kids out there, just uh, how far they hit it. And I said, well, but in, again, we got to go back to equipment. Yeah. You know, they have made the equipment, uh, the, uh, instead of the persimmon club, that that titanium head on the driver when you hit it in the sweet spot it's going to go and of course i'm sure the usga they're looking at this every day about the rules about uh, how far a golf ball can go and how fast it's supposed to travel how fast coming off the club face uh you know there's a lot of a lot of things about equipment you know that the usga has got to govern or yeah Man, uh, uh, you know, you can <laughs> maybe hit it a mile one of these days. Can't you know, go much that's, further. yeah, and that 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 kind of takes away from the game a yeah. little bit. It takes away from the skill a little bit. So, yeah, no doubt. We're talking to JB Rittenberry, Upper Cumberland golf legend. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right. Welcome back to Local Matter Sports. This is your host Sam Brooks. Again, we have JB Rittenberry, UC golf legend, in the house today, talking about his career and. Uh, Tournaments that he's won, and, and uh, really just his his golf career here in the the Upper Cumberland, and uh, we we left on Tiger, and uh, while we're talking about that a little bit, uh, I think you realized, and when we talked about you turning pro there and and traveling around a little bit and playing, I think people, the average person, doesn't realize um, how hard it is to break through. Um, we both known a couple of people. You mentioned. You know, some of them along the way, one that stands out to me that's uh, we kind of both know, Scott Stallings, who played at Tennessee Tech and played under Bobby Nichols. And if you listen to Scott talk, he credits everything to Bobby and uh, the decision that he made. He wanted to go to Tennessee, and Tennessee didn't offer him anything. And uh, Bobby did, and Bobby stayed with him all the way through his senior year, and uh, he ended up coming to Tennessee Tech and, you know, uh, working his way up but the last two years you know won several tournaments in the OVC and um his rankings uh went up and you know still unknowing you, you have to nowadays and i know from experience with my son who's trying it now he's actually in dallas right now playing in the corn Ferry qualifier it's it's tough jb it, it at the local level uh at the state level in the state of tennessee and then when you get on up there to the mini tours um that are and there's a lot of them today uh, there are a lot of opportunities for these kids as they come out. But, you know, when you get to that level, everybody that you see is good. And, you know, you mentioned just earlier some of the, the guys around here. Uh, you take uh, uh, Barrett Steakley, you know, when he was at the top of his game. Right. You, Fly. Um, gosh, Tim Richardson. 
um, Gary Maxwell. You know, that that level of competition, even at this local level, everybody is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, uh, well, I, I just lost my train of thought. Hold on, hold on a second and I will. <laughs> gotcha. But, uh, that was a two-tiered question. <laughs> yeah, it uh, – uh, when when you turn professional, of course, you're on the road a lot. You're away from your family. You know, you're not sleeping in your bed. You've still got expenses on the road. You got you still got expenses back home. You know, and it's you better be good if you want to try to be a professional golfer and try to make a living at it. Yeah. To represent Cookville a little bit, you know, we do have Bobby Greenwood who played the PGA Tour oh, yeah. for, a, for a few years. And Bobby done quite well. Really well. And uh, back in the day when I worked at Ironwood, a lot of people don't know this, but when I came and opened up the golf shop, I had to wake up a special guy by the name of Jeff Sluman. Mm-hmm. Woke him up every morning to go to class at Tennessee Tech. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he went on to win the 1988 PGA Championship. He was from Rochester, New York, but he went to Tennessee Tech on a scholarship. He only went to Tech for one year. year. And then he decided it was a little too cold around here, so he transferred to Florida State Mm -hmm. and went on and and played on their golf team there. Yeah, you got to start here, and and, and that's that's a great story. You woke him up every year and— you know, through through Will's first year and playing the mini tours, you know, he would go out and shoot one or two under, three under, and then come back and shoot a 73. And I asked him after the end of the first year, what, you know, what did you learn this year? Because he played a bunch that first year, a mm-hmm. bunch. And he's traveling all over the place. I, I was I was pleased and impressed with his ability to, to do that just coming out of college, to be by himself, driving around all these places, you know, and, and, and then compete. I said, well, would you learn that first year? And he said, you know, the biggest thing I learned, Dad, is you got to shoot under par every round. And and I said, well, you know, did you know that going in? He said, no, I, you know, I really didn't. In college, you know, you can get away with a seventy four or or seventy three and come back with a you know three, four, five under, and you you'd be okay. You'll be in the top five and the top ten just about every time. He said, in in these mini tours, you know, it's the best of all of that, mm-hmm. and they're all fighting to move up to that next level. Which Scott did, correct? Uh, you know, correct. Uh, very, very well. As we look back, but you know, that's why he learned his first year. You got to shoot under par every day, and, and you know, whether it be a two-day tournament, three-day tournament, or four-day tournament on these mini tours, that's what it takes to to get in the money. And that was kind of a, you know, I, I guess you don't you don't think about that if you're not doing it. You know, and to, to shoot under par at a course that you've never seen mm-hmm. or you've went out there and practiced on one or two days, you know, how, how hard is that you've done? And, I mean, you, you went all across the state of Tennessee there for a little while. And well, yeah, I, I did. But at, in those days, we only played a two-day tournament, maybe yeah. a one-day tournament, yeah. you know, but we didn't have to worry about three and four days or making the cut or whatever. Right. But uh, And – those were, uh, of course, statewide, and then when we had the state open now, that was the only – that was a three-day tournament, mm-hmm. the state open, and it was uh, – they did, after uh, 36 holes, they did have a cut, and mm-hmm. the top 
uh, seemed like maybe the top 50 players yeah. got to play the final day. So, mm-hmm. but uh, th- that was the only uh, that was the only drawback back then. We only had a like I say a one day tournament or a two day tournament, and then you're back home. You know, so it's so well set up now in most <clears throat> states for this junior golf. And uh, Tennessee's very lucky. We talked about that in part one. How lucky these youngsters are in Tennessee because you got opportunities. And, uh, you know, high school really is more just for the fun of the game. And, and you know, it's really about the summer. It's about the TGA, the, the Junior Golf Association, and, and you have those levels that are defined from seven years old now mm-hmm. all the way up through high school age and uh, different levels of tournaments that exist. You can play in the Tennessee state level and do well there and gain points, you know, as an amateur. Uh, all the way up through college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, a lot of the mini tours, I had no idea before Will got into thinking about doing that and was lucky enough to get some sponsors from around here to be able to support him. And uh, But just competitive, man, just, just really competitive. Not in, You know, not only at the local levels, but as you travel up that ladder, you know, it gets even more and more competitive. And it's just a unique thing. I mean, it, I guess that exists at every level, whether you're talking about baseball or basketball or mm-hmm. football, the same kind of thing exists. And, you know, only about less than 1%, you know, get even the opportunity to go to that next level. And the speed of the game changes so much, you know. Well, I'm sure with Will being out on the the Corn Ferry Tour and trying to to, uh, to play in tournaments, uh, he is, I'm sure he's ran up on a lot of good players. Oh and, and he's probably – you know, noticed them from head to toe and how they how they carry themselves, how they, you know, what makes them tick and how do they practice a lot? Do they practice an hour before the, the tournament and then maybe an hour after the tournament to work out the kinks? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a tough life. Well, you know, JB, you've been there. <clears throat> golf as a job, you know, I enjoy golf, and, but I can put it down and go home. Mm-hmm. And not worry about how I did that day <laughs> so much. It might affect my pocketbook a little bit. But uh, when it's your job, you know, you you got to make that decision to vote your time and, and, and create those practice schedules and, you know, try and figure out working with a coach, you know, uh, mend your swing a little bit at certain times. It's tough in golf because you may be a fraction off on your swing and not even know it mm-hmm. until something goes wrong. You know, and the ball's not flying the way that you want it to fly. And, you know, it, as as a job, I can't imagine, you know, being out there driving around as a 22, 23, 24-year-old going from town to town. To me, that's amazing, you know, to get the opportunity to be able to do that and, and, and to, to be in that top 1% mm-hmm. of people across the world that even get the opportunity to do that. I, you know, I think he knows how lucky he is. But it, it's just, gosh, you know, when you talk to Scott Stallings about how he got there, you know, it was that base and that foundation that he got from Bobby Nichols. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Nichols was the one that said, hey, I think you can do this. You know, I, I think you can get the opportunity and get out there and you can do well. And he did. And, you know, look at, look at him now. Scott's a streaky player. He, he'll, he'll go out there and shoot nine under one day. You know, and, and, but I, I will say this about what I've learned about Scott is family. He learned from other PGA golfers, and, and he asked questions. Mm-hmm. And he learned that one thing that was important to them that if they if they could go back and do over to a lot of the folks that he talked to that he would spend more time they would spend more time with their family 
than they did early on. And that was yeah. kind of an aha moment for him. And I remember that conversation that he had about that family is very important to him. And he's not going to miss a lot of the times with his small children that some well, of these other that, guys did. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's, that's, uh, yeah, that's something you got to think about. But, uh, you know, Bobby Nichols, he was an imp- imp- inspiration to Scott. And, yeah. uh, uh, of course, Bobby, Bobby, a lot of people don't know that Bobby Nichols played the tour a little bit. He yeah. played a couple of years on the tour. So, you know, and of course he didn't, he didn't have a wife or family or whatever to, to uh, report to. So he got to stay out on the tour as long as his money didn't run out, right. you know, so, right. but he did have backers also, people that sponsored him. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but, you know, Bobby Nichols, Bobby Greenwood, I had Bobby Greenwood on the show and, Man, what a great show it was! He told a lot of stories. You know the time he Bobby's. Beat. I'm sure he's got. He's oh, full. Of, he's I'm, full of those stories. I'm, I'm gonna have him back. And you know, time yeah. he played Jack Nicholas, and you know, Jack met, talked to him after the round, made great comments on his swing, and you know, golly, what an incredible situation! But uh, did did Bobby mention that he, that was uh, when he played Jack Nicholas and beat him? That was that was Jack's last amateur tournament, and Jack turned pro the next and. Six months later, wins the U.S. Open. <laughs> he, he he did tell me. That. <laughs> I think that uh, I he, think I've heard that story. He did then. tell me that, and it was golly, what an interesting. And I'm gonna have him back, you know, in this, yeah, in this segment will. of UC Golf Legends. I'm gonna have old Bobby back on here, and uh, you know, it, it, it'd be good to kind of continue that conversation. But JB, I tell you what, I I thank you for taking the time to come over here and spend some time. I'm gonna reach out to you about getting some more of these folks in here and really talking about golf in the Upper Cumberland and, and the successes that you guys have had. And we really appreciate you joining us. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad you invited me. I, was, I, had, a, I had a good time. Thank oh, you, Sam. Been following you for a long time and love playing with you and, and love watching you play. So good luck. Continue. I know you're out there grinding about three days a week still because I see you out there. But uh, keep on hitting that ball, man, and we appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us today on Local Matter Sports. We'll see you next time.